Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that's nothing but net. I'm Alex. When you walk in darkness and find your way stumbling through town, what do you come upon? A big old gym with people bouncing a tiny orange circle. That's a metaphor for life? Nope. I'm Justin. Some towns are into basketball. Some towns are into, like... You know, like ping pong and stuff. Others are like really into D and D. I like bocce personally. I'm Pete. Wow! wow. <laughs> Only took 125 episodes. This is the last season. This is it. We got to get it, it in. Got to do it all, man. Got to get your head in the game, Hilarious. like they say. We're going to be talking about River. You're like a Reggie. You're the <laughs> ringer coming in at the end, trying to yeah, fix everything. Little farm boy Pete. Riverdale season seven, episode eight, chapter one hundred twenty-five. Hoop dreams. A brief bit of Hoop recap dream. before we get into it. Archie, Julian, a couple of other folks are all on the basketball team, as is established very quickly in this episode, this 1950s. For, also on the team. Also on the team. He's the water boy. He gets to play well, sometimes. But, I'll tell you what, though. He has to do a lot of laundry for a water boy. Oh is it, a water boy has to do all water well, the things. The laundry like, takes water. We don't keep, we that's don't what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's an unfair. Implies. He's he's yeah. squirting he's squirting the water they drink on the anyway we can't get into this we got to recap what's going on so as is very established uh, established very quickly by Jughead at the top of the episode this 1950s version of Riverdale which we kind of knew already is more of a basketball town than a football town so that's what's going on here uh, like I said Archie and Julian play on the team we haven't met Reggie yet that's important to mention. Also important to mention in terms of back this episode is Tabitha is back this episode. Oh, yeah. First episode of the season, the 1950s version of Tabitha, which is different from the guardian angel Tabitha, who is off untangling the timelines. Presumably she is, is going to different? come back. It is different. She presumably I, is going to come back at the end of the I season. It kind of seems like she knows, though. I would love a quick cutaway to her just like <laughs> moving cosmic forces while the yeah. rest of them are like. Whatever it is, this is play? the more earnest 1950s Tabitha. She left after the trial of Emmett Till's murderers to travel around with Mrs. Till and bring awareness about the trial and the murder to the rest of the country. So she has been gone for a bunch of episodes there. This also ties back into Tony's storyline. Tony, at the beginning of the season, was working for the Blue and Gold under editor-in-chief Betty, who doesn't seem to ever work at the Blue Gold anymore. But no, she's busy. No, she's busy being horny. Busy. She's yeah. busy hey, being Take it easy. Don't, don't, don't. That's her plot line. Don't come for Betty, dude. You don't Stop do that. Coming for Betty. Coming Stop. For Betty. Just don't Betty. talk bad about Betty. Bro. Also, please don't say don't come for Betty because that ties in way too closely. And I don't want to get into those sort of jokes. <laughs> anyway. Oh, wow, dude. 
Tony, though, as uh, was writing uh, some powerful stuff for the blue and gold that was getting turned down by Principal Featherhead. She ultimately hasn't done that, which is something we loop back to there. The thing she is doing, though, is Cheryl Blossom. They are now officially together in the 1950s. <laughs> but wow. they got to do it on the DL. Coming in hot, Shakespeare bro. over here. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> they are doing it on the DL and getting together, something that we're dealing with a lot this episode, whether they should be together and going steady or not. Also going steady on the DL are Kevin Keller and Clay. Clay Clavin. Ha- Clay has been working at the Babylonium, which was purchased very quickly by Veronica Lodge after That's working right. as the popcorn girl. Last episode, she took over the That's, local. Don't movie take theater. Betty's jokes, bro. Mm-hmm. Stop. Um, Stop sorry. biting on Betty, dude. Again, you really don't want to be saying things like that in this episode. But (laughs) Betty, moving over to her, she has been dealing with some frustrations, to put it lightly, in a number of different aspects, particularly with the parents of the town who are trying to shut down her experimentations with her own sexuality. She did a little bit of a peep show, uh, consensually, with Archie across uh, the room. Thank you. Put some respect on it. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you. Uh, And then the last episode when she had to work at her parents' dad show show after school dance tv show she flashed her underwear and got kicked off of that and broke alice's heart as marilyn monroe style couple of other quick things we should probably mention in this version. Clifford Blossom is the mayor of Riverdale. Penelope Blossom is also there. Julian Blossom is there instead of Jason Blossom. And, uh, oh yeah, Jughead. Jughead Jones. Jughead uh, is... Uh, what's Jughead? Sorry, what's Jughead are you talking about? Oh, Jones? Jones. Yeah, Jones. Jones. Well, yeah. I mean, there's several Jugheads on this show as well. This Bear? is the earnest 1950s Bear. version of Jughead, who's working as a comic book writer and has managed to finagle his way out of of the sites of Dr. Werther's the school something or other who has a uh, gunning for comic <laughs> books and the kids' sexuality. Basically, he is the personified force of repression that is going on there. Uh, and Jughead bonded with a writer named Brad Rayberry, who was confronted with what seems to be the villainous milkman who was terrorizing the town at the end of the last episode. Mm-hmm. As we find out in this episode, Brad did not, in fact, make it out of that. Also, Mm. one other quick little note there just to mention, because we're questioning this last episode, many folks very helpfully pointed out to us that the Milkman has actually appeared before on Riverdale a couple of times. And most notably, though, on Sabrina, he wasn't the Milkman. But he was another milk-based product. He was the ice cream man, the evil ice oh, cream man whoa. on Chilling Adventures. Wow. Of so typecast is basically what's going man. on. I think the le- real takeaway here is just dairy. Like, dairy mm-hmm. is problematic. And, uh, <laughs> what? Dude, and don't what come happens? for cheese, bro. Come on. Oh, I would never come for cheese. Yeah, cheese right, operates then. above. Cheese is like, cheese is like the halo of, of milk. Uh, Praise Jesus, I, I always say. Crazy, exactly. You do well, always say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're huge. Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> that's your whole thing. Uh, but I think at the end of the episode, not to jump right there, but we learn what happens when you drink too much milk. Murder. Yeah. Well, uh, suicide, right? He kills himself because he drank too much milk. That's he probably well, what happened. No, the milkman murdered him. Of course the milkman murdered him. I don't know why anybody would question that, but we are starting to delve into that mystery. If we want to jump into that plot line, since we're talking about it right now, because basically we kind of get Jughead a little bit off on his own, specifically with Tabitha. It does tie into a couple of other storylines there in a fun way, but we re-meet this Tabitha. They have, once again, a meet cute where she points out hey you were supposed to send me my homework you promised that on the first episode 
He did not at all. Not and even a little bit. There wasn't even, even a little bit. He didn't do any like, of that. Oh, but I've been up, busy. <laughs> they end up bonding about writing. They go to visit Brad's house. He's uh, not answering the door because he's dead inside. And then they. And that then was they the invest- tough part. That was the tough part about this meet cute was she was really distracting him from the fact that. Uh, his hero is dead, and uh, well, the fa- there was a door in the way. It was like, leave yeah. a note. Less, uh, less of a meat cute and more of a meat spelled with M-E-A-T cut, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. It's uh, sort of I, I maybe, know, I, I guess we'll find out. That more of a meat corpse, really, I think. Is <laughs> there we go. There we'll, we'll keep uh, workshopping this one. I like that Jughead invents sort of a more disgusting post-it note here. Like he uh, throws a the little. First, the first post-it note it was gone. Like, yeah. How close to of a friend do you have to have to be like? I'll leave a spit note on your door because I would not love that. <laughs> if my uh, I'm mentoring a young up and coming writer and he's leaving me a, a gum message, not cool, bro. Well, just to throw it out there about the storyline, so we get to see them go on a movie date, we get to see them talk about a very pointed book that W.E.B. Dubois wrote called The Comet, that is about everybody being killed by a comet, except for the first, uh, or the first prominent interracial couple in sci-fi. Well, the story story was the first, uh, I don't... I don't think that the book is saying that it was the first that W.E.B. Du Bois was saying it was the first interracial couple is saying they're the last ones on Earth. So that right. Well, what I'm saying, like in terms of sci fi, the genre, it's the first. Yes. yes. It is a real story. And this was the first time that somebody was really publishing like that in a major way. I'm sure there were other stories before it, uh, but this was a big deal. Like how Tabitha talks about it. They spend all night reading the story together and bond. And it's very sweet. Well, and I also thought to the larger episode in this storyline in particular landing on this Du Bois story and the rest of the, the arcs happening here sort of snuck up on the, a really strong racial theme here, which I thought was handled really well. Like we've talked in the past about certain like larger cultural issues are a little bit um, ham fisted in the way they're presented on not just Riverdale, but a lot of television and the way that this episode sort of snuck up on it with the Reggie storyline with um, this storyline, I thought was really great. And and then when Archie's at the mixer and he's yeah. overhearing all the like horrifying blossom racist statements and they don't have him, he's just like revolted by it. And then he, it, it changes, it changes him. And I thought th- they did it with such a light hand and it's setting up a much larger sort of youth rebellion storyline here that I am so excited the way they're handling it. It's really well done. Yeah, I I agree. I was really happy with, you know, like, and also, you know, we are three white guys, but it's one of those things where, you know, like the fact that Archie kind of didn't want to believe and was kind of like angry about it and then was super uh, kind of like, you know, accepting and and had his eyes opened. Yeah, yeah. In a way that made his friendship with Reggie real. Yeah, and great. And uh, it was nice to like, and what was great was Reggie's whole kind of, you know, monologue, his whole kind of like, you know, thing was just so awesome. And then like, you know, Archie had to sit with that for a little while and then really saw it. It was just uh, it was just well done. It was really well done. Well, to your point, I think I'm saying I'm of two minds about this is probably too strong because I'm on board with you guys. I really like this. I think this is really well executed. I thought the acting was good here. The writing, like you said, Justin, yeah. was very nuanced. And we've been talking a lot about 
the structure of these episodes, and this one was very thematically strong across the board. You had Jughead bonding with Tabitha and him discovering more about literature there, that there are things outside of his wheelhouse. You have Archie learning about Reggie. You have it maybe a little less in the Tony Sherrill storyline in terms of race, but it's but it's touched upon. It's no, touched it's upon, exactly. Yeah. And then I mean, you Cheryl also straight have up a, a little bit more of a funny way. You have how Veronica is dealing with Kevin and Clay and kind of mm-hmm. learning about that. So you have not to, first of all, not to lump people of color and uh, LGBTQ plus issues in the same bucket, but they're sort of talking about people who in this 1950s time are very much on the fringes of society. How do they relate to the people who are not on those fringes? So again, thematically very strong. The thing that makes me hold back a little bit that I was wrestling with, and I don't think it's necessarily my place to comment on, like Pete was saying, we are three white guys, is having across the board the people of color or the people who are other teaching the people who are not important lessons. I don't think it was as didactic about it, which is why I do think it worked. It wasn't after school special style or anything. Um, But, but that was the only thing that I was a little hesitant about. And I would rather hear and read other voices in terms of how they react to it. Similar to how we were talking about the first episode, but then to get back to what you were saying, Justin, and I'll wrap up here in terms of the overall river, excuse me, Riverdale-ness of it, the fact that they're not like, oh, we dealt with that in the first episode, we're good to go for the season, yeah. that they are continuing these themes and continuing to explore these themes, that means sometimes they won't work and sometimes they absolutely will work. And I, I think that's laudable and I'm glad they're doing that. Yeah, it's a good point, but I also think it is like a sort of a – the the larger story is like pushing back against a culture of repression and specifically the parents i think will end up being the people who are sort of trying to hold everyone down across all of these issues so like i think it is like it's i think it's the what the this season and maybe at the end of it what this show is about like trying to make the world a better place by throwing off the things that are are keeping keeping us down across the board. Well, and we didn't mention this, or at least I didn't mention this when we were going through talking about all the storylines, but I do think, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, I do think this also ties into Betty's storyline in terms of the one that they're probably most slow playing in terms of being obvious about what they're doing. We've talked a lot about how fans are frustrated with horny Betty, quote unquote, this season. But I think it's even apparent in this episode, the way that Lily Reinhardt is playing it, is they're not out and out talking about her embracing feminism and understanding the concept of feminism yet. But they are slowly walking her there episode to episode in terms of the level of her frustration with everything that's going on. Not her sexual frustration, but her actual emotional frustration. Yeah. And I like how they're doing that. They keep that tied in thematically with everything else while not saying it as obviously as, say, the Kevin and Clay storyline or with uh, what's going on with Tabitha or uh, any of the stuff that Tony's really talking about. Yeah, I mean, with Betty, it's like she's sort of pushed doing being a little rebellious and she's being just dogpiled on with people (laughs) being like, here's what you have to do now. And it's like, I don't even know you, Werther. Why are you in my face when making me Mm -hmm. do all these different things? Uh, so, like, I think that's her that's her separate journey. Uh, but getting back to I think all this stuff is, is really interesting. But getting back to Jughead and Tabitha, pretty psyched to see them. The romance is on. Do, don't 
I, I'm not trying to throw that Dude. in your face, Pete. Dude. Because uh, I, I just it enjoy was... their dynamic, and I like how we get, like, sort of a new Okay, meet yeah, you. please enjoy their dynamic, but don't try to come at me about it. You know I'm definitely I mean? like, not I, coming at you. I, I'm okay, not great, because at you. Fact, I'm going to close my way. eyes. I'm going to okay, close great, my eyes so I don't have yeah, to see Because you were putting a little extra on us, so I just wanted to make sure it was Truly happiness yeah. for them and not, you know, like, you know, And I just want to clarify for the people who are only listening, when you closed your eyes, you did that thing from the Indiana Jones movie, and on one eyelid <laughs> was written Jabatha, and the other was Endgame. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and was, you know that how much that hurts? Weird. That it hurts to write on your eyelids. <laughs> oh Let me just say. Good. That poor Good. actress. But it's worth it. It's worth it for this. Um, no, but it, like their first sort of their main timeline romance was so colored by Jughead's issues that he was dealing with. And to see them meet each other in this new timeline, sort of fresh, I guess I would say, like it, it just highlighted their romance and their connection. And I, I really enjoyed seeing that that new version of them here. They're really cute together. The scene at the locker where they're meeting each other. Tabitha is clearly into Jughead. Jughead is being as naive as he was so far this season with Ethel and then with Veronica. But I think he gets it a little more and he gets the connection a little more. Them going yeah. on the movie date was cute. Them talking all night. I love it. I think it's great. He's, he's reading a lot of Super Duck, so he's learning a lot of life lessons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, People don't know this, but Super Duck was actually very instructional in terms of emotional and steady relationships. Emotional, sexual. Like, Super Duck is where you learn a lot <laughs> of stuff. It's one of the most sexual books you could read. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. mad at the horror comics with this very yeah, sexual. Duck. Oh, my God. The full title was Super Sexual Duck, and they short. <laughs> Well, one thing you touched upon there, Alex, is the the movie scene was hysterical because Jughead ordered like eighty five things and then it was seventy five cents, and I was like, ah, uh, yeah. Take me back 50s. to that place. Was that your reaction? Pete? No, no, your... I just like, ah, oh, that's so much candy for seventy five cents. That's glorious. Yeah, what a great deal. The, what, what uh, well, just real quick on that while we're talking about yeah. it. Yeah. Two things. Love senior mints. What a, just a great joke. That's senior, just mints. senior mints. That's butter just flingers. Fun. We got all yeah. the candy that they did. Yeah. All the hits. It's glorious. But I think the real secret issue here is who orders a soda with extra ice? What the, what's, what world is Jughead coming from where he's, he's like, flexing, I want dude. He's like, I want extra ice. I, but for what, he likes water? He likes a watered down <laughs> soda? This guy, I feel like this is a major clue that Jughead, Jughead is somehow the master villain of this entire series. Mm. Because extra of extra ice? ice? Who's, I've never heard a person ask for that. First off, this was extra in ice the cream. 50s. This is 50s soda that was strong and maybe still had drugs in it. So you got to put <laughs> ice in there, bro. Because you take one hit of that and you're like, whoa! Yeah. My endless e- movie. Come on, you extra, <laughs> extra ice, bro. extra ice. Light on the cocaine, please. In the yeah, cocaine. exactly. Now, uh, I've, I've got to drive. One or two yeah. pumps. <laughs> um, I just thought that was a, that whole scene was very funny, wild uh, moment. Um, and I guess so. Is that your statement on the Jabba the relationship, Pete? Is I like that he ordered candy. No, I was just, uh, it's, it's a, it's adorable and it's great to see uh, Tabitha happy and uh, with somebody who uh, respects her. I I want them to be happy in their, their time period. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and, and just I, so you know, what, listeners, I had a gun to Pete's head when he just said that. Just no, to be clear, I want to become clear. I did that through Zoom. I don't know, but it was very, very impressive. The one thing that I did want to talk about here, though, that is a bigger external thing that I don't have any answers for, but we've been wondering about where Tabitha has been all season, or more specifically, where Aaron Westbrook, who plays Tabitha, has been. And in this episode, she is no longer 
in the main cast. She is listed as special guest star yes. for the episode. That's a bummer. That's a yeah. that's a real bummer. I feel bad about that. But I bet. I mean, that's just because of the number of episodes she's in. Like, I I don't. I'm. It's not like we're gonna get less of her at the end. Is what I. I is my, the way but I. We are getting less I, of her. She was in the first. We're episode getting less of her she now. Disappeared until yeah. the eighth episode. Yes, I, because she's saving the the universe, Alex. Oh, absolutely. Here, here is my guess about it. This is zero information whatsoever. Because wait, we're to guesses. We're we're done talking about the show. We're just guessing shit now. No, no, no. I'm going to talk you about why anything. she's a special <laughs> guest star because I was very oh, pumped okay. about it. Oh, uh, um, well, when, clear, you, like, when you get to it, Pete, how many jelly beans are in this jar? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I yes. got a little if you can time. guess how I many jelly little... beans are in the jar, I'll tell you why Aaron Westbrook is a special guest star this season. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> no, I, I did. Yep. In all honesty, like I tried a couple of different ways to reach out and find out what was going on with her at the beginning of the season and didn't get a straight answer about it. My guess is that there's nothing nefarious going on here so much as yeah well i think i think it was probably a budgetary thing like they have the final season they probably needed to make some cuts and snips somewhere they made a decision where they didn't want to cut somebody entirely they want to include some as many people as possible but i'm sure they needed to make some decisions there maybe she had some scheduling stuff she had to do as well i don't know that's also possible um but again i don't think this is the sort of thing they're like we hate tabitha we want to get rid of tabitha i think they did want to include tabitha they just and again this is just a pure guess on my part they had to make some hard decisions at some point along the road so there you go yeah. Let's jump over. I did want to talk about Veronica's storyline since we're talking about the movie theater because yeah. Veronica is not to mix sports metaphors, hitting nothing but strikes this episode. What? Well, yes, I have nothing but balls. Hitting balls, balls, balls. Is that yeah. the basketball? Strikes nothing but balls. Nothing no, but balls. I know, I the said, Veronica Lodge story. <laughs> said I was said I'm mixing my sports metaphors. <laughs> you, and then you did it. No, you like, and then really, I did it. I followed up. Yeah, you you're did. not mixing. I'm hitting nothing but net with setting up the things that I'm about to. Hey, say. you did it again. <laughs> nice job, <laughs> buddy. Alex, foul I ball, don't think foul ball, Pete. I yeah. don't think you're using these correctly. KO, I think you didn't mix, you didn't TKO, mix your yeah. metaphors. You just used one and sort of at the end <laughs> bailed out pretty hard on it. Okay. Well, anyway, Veronica is really trying to get a bunch with a bunch of people. This episode, in a very funny way, keeps missing. That's my point. Well, it's interesting to me. But like, she I also feel- learn, uh, you know, learns some, some stuff. And I mean, she's kind of coming in hot. She's kind of busting balls a little bit about it. But yeah. uh, Kevin is, she is, though? Nothing, is she nothing though? but balls. We can get into that as well. But well, to, I, go I, ahead, Justin. I agree with you, Alex. Like, um, I feel like she she's like, I want to get with Clay. Mm-hmm. And then after uh, Kevin says, like, well, you can't because I'm with Kevin him. gets a little kind of like, hey, uh, back up. he's just all, all of a sudden in the shot kind of like, hey, what are you what are you doing? Yeah. Hey, boss lady, lay off my man. Yeah. But then she's like, oh, I was just testing you. I was like, no, you weren't. No, yeah, exactly. That was like, I was yeah. like, get out of here with that. Yeah, with that. Trying she's to dropping friends of Dorothy, like desperately coming up with well, that. All the yeah, language. and I think, I think she ultimately is fine with it. She's not against Kevin Clay or anything like that. But yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. clear in the script because she follows up with like, that's great. I was just testing you. Just to check real quick. Clay likes girls as well, maybe a little bit. No, yeah, that's okay. right. I mean, that's what she keeps testing you. She keeps just testing it. It's just a test. That's all. But that's why it's also interesting just to me. Just double checking. 
it feels like Betty and Veronica have sort of switched places with their uh, from their comic book personas or even the personas they've had throughout the rest of this the series. Like Betty's the one who's sort of like, you know, putting herself out there is very like sort of like, here's what I'm doing. And Veronica is the sort of wide eyed innocent who's like, what's this? I'm we're like movies. I'm boys. Where do I find boys? Like it, it's just such a funny transposition between those two. Well, I do think that's their arcs, right? Like you, they met in the middle, a couple of episodes back where Veronica was teaching Betty to own her sexuality in terms of wearing the lingerie. And at this point, a, a lot of this season, and I know I've seen people be upset about this, but I think they're not, they're not writing this because they hate Veronica. They're writing this because they like Veronica and want to challenge Veronica in yeah. different ways. And she is coming in hot to this town being like, yes, it's me. I'm Veronica Lodge. I'm here. I'm the big star. And ultimately, she's learning a lot of lessons from these people around her in terms of not just thinking about herself, but thinking about other people. And I do think the way they're playing it, the way they're writing it is really interesting. Camilla Mendez is great at eating up every scene that she's in. And to your point about Betty, I think Veronica was one of those people along the way that is helping her develop, similar to being open about just saying this stuff to Reggie in this episode, kind of in that funny study date scene where she's laying out like, and and then she starts babbling at a certain point. It's so great. But that's also, that's part of her journey, right? Like her part of her journey is understanding, no, she is saying these things. She did do these things. I need to own this. This is part of me. Just like, whatever everybody wants to put on me is also part of me. But yeah. just something I want to t- touch on that you mentioned real quick. It really is a, a fun moment where Betty was like, weren't you just the popcorn girl there like <laughs> yesterday? And now you own the place? Like really talks about like, um, you know, uh, Veronica and what she's kind of like capable of and kind of how she operates at different speeds and kind of works uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, differently. So it is, it's, it's a fun kind of back and forth when the two of them are together. It's a, it's, it's usually a really great scene. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm glad we got kind of a, a little, some group stuff in this episode as well. Yeah. Uh, for Veronica, traditionally the sort of the person that Reggie and Archie are competing over, and I feel like now it's Betty in this episode anyway, in a sort of a light way. But uh, so I thought that was a blur cool. kind of really messes things up. You know, a lot of people were chopping up the bit, uh, you know, that whole scene where he shows up and Cheryl's like, Veronica, yeah. take it down a notch. Yeah. Very <laughs> funny. Just, like, but before funny. we move over there, I just want to say about um, the, the movie theater. It feels like I love how she brags multiple times. Like, I I own this. It's me. I own, I own yeah, this yeah, place, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I thought was funny. But I also think now Kevin Clay worked there. Veronica, they've built this place up as like, hey, well, this is where we hang out. I feel like this is going to be the home a prediction going forward. This is going to be what that what their hangout is and where they sort of are launching their their big like throw off the the our parents like rebellion is going to come here. This is like that's going to be the movie theater. Is what you're saying? It's the sex bunker. It's this no, the, season's this, sex. The theater. sex theater, if you will. <laughs> the sex theater. Yeah. Yeah. This the super sexual sex theater. 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 Yeah, <laughs> that's what it's yeah. Just bring it all together. <laughs> Babylonium uh, is going to be renamed yeah, the home super of the super sexual duck. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think at the very least, we're putting the most 
performative characters, like putting Kevin in there, that makes sense. That's basically reverberating. Yeah, great off. Kevin up. Well, every previous season where Veronica's like, hey, I'm putting on a show. Who do I want? Kevin. And then Kevin performs. But it actually feels like, at least in this episode, Kevin is a little bit more part of the action because of this yeah. Clay, um, which is great. Uh, so that's that's all good. I like it. Uh, just to talk about the other ways that Veronica gets shot down, though, there is the whole Reggie thing, which we talked uh-huh. about. I did want to ask you, though, because I think, uh, again, like I'm a little split here in terms of how this actually went. Reggie does seem to be veering more in the direction very tentatively towards Betty. Maybe not tentatively yes. is the right word, but he's this is a very different Reggie. This Wait, is even yeah. barely the Reggie that we know. I think Julian, like you pointed out a couple of episodes back, Justin, is Reggie. Is the Reggie. So yeah. this Reggie instead is somebody who's like, I just got to keep my nose down, do yeah. – what I'm doing and everybody's going to leave me alone. And then maybe I can make it alive to college. That's like basically his MO, but clearly he is interested in Betty. There's some interest there in terms of that. Yeah. But he Later did kind on, of like run away from her uh, when they were kind of, when Betty well, had so that that's conversation. He runs away from her a little bit. He does show up at the Babylonian, but he forgot that she, and Veronica he, was did there. He, though? That's what the question that I was yeah. getting towards is, did he actually forget Veronica working there or was he 1950s nagging her? I, wow. Wow. I dude. love a 1950s. Wow. Take it easy. <laughs> yeah. How about this? Uh, I think Reggie was like, didn't somebody say something about movies? I'm going to go see a movie. That's something I do. Well, but he didn't. The way I read that scene is he went in there, got a popcorn for free, and then was like, later. Uh, he didn't. It doesn't seem like he was going out there to see a movie. So, like, that's why I feel like he was going there to see Veronica. The thing with this Reggie is. Wait, he's so you like, think he goes to the movies for the same reason Pete goes to the movies, which is the snacks? Yeah. Yeah. I go there to just get a cup of extra ice and get out of it. <laughs> Smart, dude. Cheap. Smart. Big yeah. cups, big yeah. ice. <laughs> Nothing's cheap in a movie theater anymore, bro. Well, that's what that's I think. That's why I buy all my candy. Are you telling me that's a bad idea? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're wasting I get, I get lunch at the AMC Empire 25 oh Times Square every day. Uh, oh, are you a there's, millionaire? There's nothing How do you better. Do Have you tried their chicken strips? They're okay. <laughs> they're $40. They're $40. They're okay. Sometimes there's, they're warm. There's nothing better than an ancient $20 hot dog from my local movie theater <laughs> topped off with some barely cheesed nachos. Yeah, what I like yum, to do yum. is I like to take the hot dog out of the bun and dip it in a thing of junior mints. You know, they stick to it like a little bit when they get Senior hot and mints wet. only, bro. Senior mm, mints yeah. only. That was uh, the grossest thing I've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> Let me <laughs> say, true. agree. Not I true. couldn't believe I was saying that when I said it out Here's loud. Here's the thing. When you said it out loud, <laughs> I imagined it. And uh, it looked it looked gross in uh, my mind. It looked I'm, like I'm, a greasy I'm finger. horrified. Yeah. What was great was I didn't get here, and uh, I'm never going to listen to this. So I'm living. <laughs> yeah, living I can't imagine life. any of us saying that again later in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. so it's it's definitely, it's all done. Yeah, um, I'm sure they got right the So Puke back. Uh, Reggie, uh, this conversation. We're, we're talking Reggie. Uh, he's, he is, he's like a closed book. He's someone that I think we don't understand quite yet. He's interested in Betty. He's interested in Veronica. So definitely going to be an interesting uh, Archie situation, especially since they are now best buds. The mm-hmm. Archie Jughead relationship doesn't seem to be happening. Jughead's on his own thing. So yeah, we got I mean, Archie and Reggie living together, bunking up. Uh, but I will say, I miss the old Reggie, the sort of goof, like guy who messes everything up, 
but very funny. And I am I'm always going to be uh, standing for Man Monica, the the Reggie Veronica. Well, maybe we'll get it right. Like maybe yeah, exactly. Charles Melton is going to do this as a consistent performance. I think. I keep thinking about this every episode, but I was definitely thinking about this this episode in terms of how everybody is playing kids, you know, again. And some of them are doing just a bang up job of it. Yeah. In particular, I know I've called them out before, but KJ Appa and Lily Reinhardt, the way that they're playing these teen characters is so funny and so earnest and uh, sarcastic in different ways, respectively. Um, But the other thing that was occurring to me this episode based on the way that Charles Melton is playing Reggie is who do we characterize as different characters? Like I think we've talked about, they are the same people and they definitely are the same people and there are connections and reverberations there, but this is a Reggie who is very different. Archie is very different. Just this is, we see a little bit of it in him punching out Juliet and giving this big speech to the basketball team. That was such a great punch. It was a great punch. It was really good. Third time in the season so far, Juliet's been punched out. I Um, love it. And also I like the end of that where Juliet stands up. It's like fair. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't even. He's like, okay, it's, it's like, yeah, let's go. Get back that to happens pro- to me a, a lot. Yeah, uh, another character is different is the um, Charles Barkley of the show now, Dylan Doyle. Yeah, yeah exactly. The I was we're getting a lot of Dilton. You know, like he uh, last episode he got to dance with Betty. This episode, game winning shot. Come he on, he is very funny, and this is nothing against Major Curta, who played Dilton through whenever he showed up previously. Yeah. Uh, this one, I think, his that was Daniel, also a great Dilton, which was also a great Dilton, but that was supposed to be like the Doomsday Prepper Dilton. Yeah, it was this yeah. classic comic Dilton. He is crushing the comedy in every yeah. episode. Like it's just these little background things. I think Abby Ross who's playing Midge is doing the same thing. Whenever they do oh. a cutaway to her, she's like, Wee! <laughs> Hi, it's me. It's Midge. <laughs> it's like, Hi, I'm in this television show. I'm Midge. But it's very, like it's purposeful. They're very doing funny. it purposely. Yeah. And they're both of the, all of them are just making the most out of every single tiny moment. It's very fun. Yeah, and on that, like the bad, most badass moment from this episode was Reggie being like, "Yeah, we'll take Doily, four of us versus you. Let's go." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Yes, that was very cool." Yeah. So all the Reggie stuff was great. What else should we talk about? Why don't we talk about the Shoney stuff? Because that was probably the uh, what a put, what a ride you went on. Out. Yeah, it's a emotional roller coaster. That I, they were, I was happy. I was heartbroken. I was like, oh my. Yeah, I could not believe when they were like, well, we broke up. I was like, what? No, I didn't get that from what happened. How are we breaking up when you just got together? Come on. You're wrecking me here. But yeah, we started out with a, with a makeout scene in the locker room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't do it that voice. It's don't very, do it like that. You know what that voice is like? It's very much like when you dip a hot dog into senior hey! Hey! <laughs> You know what I mean? Hey! 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 I'm picturing it. sort of picture. gross. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, man. Cut the gas, <laughs> Captain. Gotcha. Cut the gas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, put that apple butter in your uh, hey! pockets, buddy. Hey, Reggie, writing a book? <laughs> I like we just shout out the random line. Yes. Anyway, uh, yeah, very emotional storyline, but I thought I really liked how they handled it. I'm glad that we did not end up with another Shoney breakup immediately. I feel like that has happened too much over the course of the show. So it's definitely I, I also like the storyline of Tony running away because she is worried about going steady with Cheryl, but also Cheryl 
not going full Cheryl about it. Like not yeah. going, yeah. you know. She, well, she went a little Cheryl. But she, I, I, a little I, bit. Yeah, a little bit. I think it was one of those things where, you know, like Lizzo talking to uh, Tony kind of really – made her stop and think a, l- a little bit. And then I think she kind of got cold feet and kind of cut it off. But then I uh, realized like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'm being a little hasty. But man, what a, I mean. The- well, but I, I would also say, I mean, Lizzo's not um, great in the things that she says. But right. I think Tony was sort of coming to Cheryl. wants to get with Tony. Seems yeah, like. she has her own motives, but I think yeah. uh, Tony was coming to Cheryl under these like she was becoming something that she's not. She's not a paper shaker, right. you know what I'm saying? So yeah. like she, uh, yeah, that was term like, I use now. Yeah, and even when Tabitha was like, what, "You're you're what now? What's happening? Yeah. Do you even know?" And, and I think that's yeah, why she's she the, the sort of person who usually picks uh, used cherries out of the cabinet or whatever it was. What did Lizzo yeah. say to her? <laughs> yeah, so they're just making shit up at this point. Let's be honest. Well, I will say I enjoy. Every single one of every, the nonsensical fifties uh, oh things you're using, yeah. but I, but I do think like the way they sort of reset their relationship here. I think they did have to go through that because now they're meeting back on on their real sort of terms. Like let's meet at the dark room and start over. Tony can be yeah. Tony. Cheryl can now that she's sort of more aware of her identity. I think she can be Cheryl, and then they can meet on real real ground. Well, and on that note, it feels like a response to previous season Shoney storylines that people very rightly called out for Tony yeah. completely subsuming her personality for Cheryl and just being yeah, an attache exactly. to Cheryl's storyline who would just say, babe, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, the go and steady kind of really kind of triggers her to be like, I'm not a square. Mm-hmm. I'm not something, I want to be me. Yeah, yeah well, which but is also, squares, I mean, though, it, in very Riverdale fashion, it takes her all of 45 minutes to figure out what she wants to do, which is create a black literary journal for the school yeah. or otherwise. But she does figure that out. And now they're going to be more even in this relationship. And I think that's great. I think we're going to yeah. see that back and forth as they figure out their way towards the end of the season where they are going to be even. You're not going to have Tony being less than Cheryl or Cheryl being less than Tony. It's going to be a real, true, even relationship, and I'm excited to see This is a crazy show. You can't really call things like that. You don't know what's going to happen. You, no, we all, just we like make calls in, a lot. Just like in basketball, I'm calling my shot. I'm pointing no. straight that's, to the outfield. That's Babe Ruth. I think it's Babe Ruth. Uh, real, real quick, though. Was he from a basketball? Co- what was he you on? Could, you couldn't call glass. You call, you call glass on a shot. You know he he was in the Boston Bruins, an excellent uh, basketball team. Oh, oh shut I should, up, I should buy a bunch of their merch. <laughs> you should, you love merch. Definitely wear sports merch for a team that you don't <laughs> understand or know anything about. Yeah, I got a jersey. From a coaching perspective, how hard do you think it is to? No uh, one's coach ever said she- wearing sports merch. By the way, that's never really <laughs> been said before. I just want to point that yeah. out. Wow, you we're said breaking like, new ground on this podcast. Yeah, toss me that sick jurors is what you say. Right? <laughs> okay, oh, this is great. This is really instructive. Thanks, guys. They say you know the fifties terminology. This is modern talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a coaching perspective, how hard do you think it is to coach the basketball or cheerleading squads where um, the members change every seven or eight minutes. Yeah. And parents decide who's on the team and stuff. There's no actual tryouts. No That's wonder cool. Frank looks absolutely insane in every <laughs> shot he is in the show. Frank's Why are they making him so crazy? He looks Barely like somebody together. The way that he's playing, like the way that uh, Ryan Robbins is holding his face is 1950s Frank. He looks like somebody else, and it's driving me insane. Like, I cannot put a finger on it. <laughs> it's not like the last not, thing. I keep thinking it's like Brian Cranston on Breaking Bad, but that's not right. 
It's no. it's something else. Like it's, no. some, it's like a, a psycho killer. It's, it's almost it's it's like you said, like old no, 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 it's like star. It's, it's it's almost like an alien trying to be a human and exactly. like just holding it's it barely Vincent holding D'Onofrio it. Vincent black. Yeah. Sugar water. Yeah. Sugar water. <laughs> yeah, he's desperately trying to hold the millions of bugs in underneath his human exactly. skin. That he's exactly, yeah. It's a tr- trench coat situation. So the Shoddy story line was great. I did want to point out one thing just because we did uh, talk about the scene where Tony talks to Tabitha and Clay about her idea for the literary journal. And yeah. it's a great idea, and it's really going to push things forward, and it's incredible for Tony. And Clay's like, yeah, 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 what's going on with Cheryl? In the middle of yeah. that scene, which was so funny. Well, Clay he did say, like, well, I actually, I would love an outlet for all my poetry and stuff like that. I was like, ooh, the man, he's been working on a bunch of stuff. Yeah. His poetry was bad, though. I think everybody agreed that it was bad. So that's interesting. No, I mean, come on, man. Uh, Kevin loved Chance. It. Kevin loved he, was over, Kevin, like, yeah. he was overshadowed by Tony's performance. I think yes, exactly. Uh, Going to be hard for her to print that in the literary journal, by the way, but I guess we'll. <laughs> but hey, I, did, I don't know. I thought it was don't, so funny don't that take he shots. was like, uh, this is great that we're talking about this thing that's really powerful and going to be good for us and really going to be good for the overall for the world. Instead, give me the goss. I want to know what's yeah. going on with Cheryl. So. And in that way, aren't we all Clays? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that's definitely really? where I was. I think I was like, every person nice. would have said the same thing. Like, yes, that is a great idea. I really think it will think, move things forward. I'm very proud to be a part of it. Okay, now uh, you please tell me about Cheryl. Uh, but <laughs> you kissing. Um, I also want to shout out uh, Madeline Petch's performance, and it is great. Oh, but even beyond that, the, the way they're doing, she did when she walked right. away from Tony and had that little beat, and then turned back. Ah, oh, it's amazing how many gears that Cheryl has in general yeah. on the show, and this is sort of a different one, even. But I want to shout out um, the uh, hair and makeup that they're doing with Madeline Petch. Like she has this sort of like more pared down innocent look that I think is it, it really supports the performance and the the writing of this of this episode in this this season in such a great way and it's it's something that like shows don't always do and so shouts to the HMU department for for nailing that look yeah, that's a great note. I mean, I think it's something similar that they're doing with some of the characters' dress, certainly, like the way that Archie is dressed. He's obviously dressed completely differently. Jughead is dressed in, like, these very stripy mm-hmm. sweaters that are very reminiscent of Jughead sweaters, but he gets, like, a lot of turtlenecks and stuff. With his crown pinned to the very back, yeah, clinging to the back of his head. But the one that I wanted to call out that I think also is being served well in that uh, respect is Betty. I think they are yeah. definitely, I know people miss the Betty ponytail and I completely get that but the look that they're giving her overall is just this softer younger look and that's something that obviously comes in the way that you're playing it it comes in the way the director is shooting it but like you're saying it's very much in the hair and the makeup and the uh, costume department 50s Tabitha uh, also some amazing looks in there oh my gosh so cute like the big glasses and everything yeah the white glasses with the the, yeah oh my yeah Dorbs. What else should we talk about here? I'm sure we've skipped several storylines as we've Well, if we this. could, I mean, we were talking a little bit about some of the great dialogue. When Archie looks up and goes, Howdy doody, Betty. I mean, that was just, that was just really. Well, real quick while we're talking about um, the two characters that make up Barchi, uh, Betty and Archie. Uh, oh, thank you. I don't appreciate how you, ever... you stopped to point that out. We, you could just say if we're talking about Betty and Archie and then start talking about them. I want to save time by saying Barchi. Yeah, I'm in a little bit of a I rush call them Archie. Well, you've really 
you we lost all that time because you spelled it out instead of making the choice. You did both like an asshole. I will say though, I enjoy this time because it's more time than we're talking about Barchi. Thanks. B a r c h i. What I'm doing is spending this time not talking about them while you think we're talking about them, so I can then change the subject soon. Uh, good luck. The uh, this relationship, <laughs> this relationship in this episode, I was a little bit. It was ice cold, no real connection. That's right. I was, uh, was bummed what? about that. No, the whole scene they, where Reggie looks across the window at the window, and Archie's like, "You don't get to look at her." I, he no, closed. The, he's like, "I actually not yeah. allowed to have that." I do. I agree. That was. I thought that was interesting and funny well, uh, and, and real. And, but and, and when Reggie point, goes neighbor, this, and everybody was like, "Oh, what?" To that point, like, I think what this is setting up is this great friendship between Archie and Reggie here. And I don't think Betty is necessarily going to come in the middle of it and break them apart. But I do think we're going to get a new triangle instead of it being Archie, Veronica, Betty from like the comics. We're going to get Archie, Reggie, Betty, both and both of them. And I do think that still points that points even stronger to Betty and Archie being endgame in some respects here, because I think Reggie is going to be this roadblock that they need to get over. Now we're just talking crazy speculation. No, I agree no, with I, you. And I think and that's going to point to Reggie and Veronica as well. That's exactly what I was going to say, yeah. man. Monica's strong because, yeah. A, Veronica has no other options in general. <laughs> um, and Reggie, they did, you know, he she gave him a popcorn, which is a mm-hmm. classic 1950s love declaration. Right. And if he doesn't seem uninterested, then you have this plot line of slowly, like, him coming around and realizing who Veronica is and falling in love with her and her falling in love with him. I think, I think, I don't know, we're starting to get He's halfway through and a, the vision is becoming boy, clearer. Right. The fog is starting to lift. He's just from what? What was it? Duck something? Duckburg? Uh, no, <laughs> not Duckburg. <laughs> um, very you might funny. Solve a mystery or it's, rewrite it's, history. Both it, of those things are happening on the show right now. So. I can't believe you said that. Uh, that was I'm now sa- can't stop singing the song in my head because of you. Thank you so Which much. Which one? B A R C H I. Don't forget the E. Is that the one that you can't forget? Oh I do love that theme song as well. Yeah. Wow. Uh, just a little it's bit. Doug, oh, yeah. Creek. Doug, Doug Creek, yeah. Doug and I will say Creek. the amount of Doug Creek mentioning in this <laughs> episode, Doug I was Creek. like, "Don't say no. Doug." I think it was Doug Creek. No, I it's Duck also, Creek. Duck Creek. Yes, I guess ducks live in creeks. Oh yeah, my God. but I thought it was Duck Creek, but I I listened to it every time he said it, and I think it was Doug. I guess we'll find <laughs> it's out. Not Doug's Creek. No, it's, it's Doug, like the TV, the cartoon Doug. Doug no, Creek. No, it's, it's where he's it's like where a Doug nod funny. to your fucking Super Duck. It used to be called. Uh, is that why he's reading Super Duck later in the episode? Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be called Doug Funny Creek, but they shortened it. The just a quick note: if anybody didn't pick up on it, the farm that they used, I believe, is the farm from the season three anthology episode, "The Man in Black," the one that Archie and Jughead hide out at when they're on the run from Hiram. That Ooh. Riley Keough is at and shaves uh, Archie. Yeah. So I think that's the same farm there. Also, while we're talking about Easter eggs. Reggie has a flashback to his time at Stonewall Prep, where he yeah. is racistly attacked by none other than Brett Weston Wallace, who shows up. Which, I thought that was a fun, very brief cameo. From yes, that, he was uh, available for literally 15 minutes to come in, but he made the most of it. Oh, I looked it up as well, and the actual name of the town is Super Sexual Duck Creek. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess oh, that's, why right. the, that's why they don't have a movie theater, is because the movie theater is over in Riverdale. That's exactly right. Super Sexual Duck Creek, the movie theater. 
<laughs> so I think uh, while we're just talking crazy smack, I think Jughead's going to note notice the, in the note that uh, he got from Sheriff Keller that it's not his handwriting or it's that's not something he would write and he's going to uh, dig into it. Yeah, yeah I was thinking out. it was the back of the note that he left for for uh, on the door. Oh, because huh. it was not on the door when he walked in. So that and maybe that's a little. Yeah, the note's Chekhov's gone. Gun. Yeah, his gun, his gum is also gone. Chekhov's gum. That's yeah, what we're talking we about. There we go. <laughs> You're chewing gum in the first act. You're killing someone <laughs> with it the next. Yeah. Um, so I do think that will be, and I, I really like this as Jughead has a case. He's got something to really get after now, and that's that's perfect. That's what we want him doing. Um, a couple other things. I mean, we could just run through all the nonsense language. Cut the gas. Nobody's jazzed. Uh, we got negative perspiration. He says, "Tabitha." I was like, "That's a weird thing to say." Uh, the one that you've shouted out a bunch is uh, the apple. Uh, the apple butter. <laughs> Enough with the apple butter. Yeah, Lizzo. That's great. Uh, thanks for the apple butter, Queen of the Paper Shakers. Right, <laughs> back to back. <laughs> uh, great stuff. The I also dreamy flutterbums from uh, Veronica. The uh, Take a powder, Herman Melville. That's the real Moby Dick. I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> it really feels like, and I love this, and they should be doing this, but it really feels like the writers are trying to one-up each other every episode. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 100%. Keep doing like it. They Keep have it some kind of back going of like well, how many they can get in in an episode or something. It's so good. It's yeah. so much fun. I really felt like not to keep drawing lines between specific episodes, but my feeling this episode was it was a really good follow up on the first and second episode because we got a little bit of the murder mystery. Obviously, there's the ongoing plots, but just the earnest earnestness about issues and the way that they're dealing with issues through this 1950s lens. It's great. I'm really liking this season a lot so far. I'm very happy with it. Agreed. Um, I mean, couple other it, thing. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, I would be having more fun if they were just give, sprinkling some little bughead. You know, Pete, you, every time you say this, next episode, next episode, there's a little bughead coming your way. Oh, that sounds man. horrifying, but it's true. Yeah, have you already seen it? We just no, finished the promo, watching the promo. No, the promo. The promo oh, at the end okay. of the episode. I, haven't I would seen argue it. it's a very little bit, but maybe that's yeah, enough. We'll hey, you. that's all we need. A little yeah, bit to keep us going. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like the cocaine and Coca Cola. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just uh, two pumps of bucket in there. Not a extra lot of cocaine. We were also going to throw extra ice on the bucket. I think, but I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, that'll be a fun episode next time. Um, I would say the opening sequence uh, after the basketball game out in front beautifully shot they've really been doing a lot of like it feels like very like cinematic like this is a movie and like that's hard to do on a tv but the tv shows like this and you know because you're a line producer 100 percent. that's exactly what i know and also love the description of jughead as he's pretty handsome oddball lives in a train car i was like (laughs) let that wash over all of us because it is weird for everyone yeah. 
Um, it did make me miss a little bit, even though I was very into Jabbath in this episode, it did make me miss the Veronica Jughead uh, relationship that that went so briefly. But I like that they referenced it and they're not forgetting that it happened or anything. I feel like previous seasons of Riverdale, we would have heard literally nothing about that. Instead, there really seems to be an eye, and this is the faintest of praise, but there really seems to be an eye for an actual overall story and connection between the stories and connection between the episodes. When we've talked about there's almost exquisite corpse style, it seems like previous seasons have been written sometimes. This has more of an arch to it. It has a forward to momentum. More of an archie. And more of an Archie. There you go. Before we wrap up here, why don't we talk about the MVP of the episode? Who do you think was the MVP? Justin, you want to go first? Uh, great question. I mean, I think I got to give it up for Reg in this yeah. episode. Yeah, great yeah, to see him out here. Badass yeah. move. Yeah. Um, I like the um, earnestness and seriousness of his story. His halfway the, monologue was just unbelievable. Yeah, the twist, the farm boy twist that we have in here, which is also a great dance move. Uh, a way that we can f- maybe find our way back to the the Reggie from um, previous seasons that might be cool. But I really like the addition. Again, badass move when he showed up on the basketball court. Yeah, Pete. What about you? Who's your MVP? I mean, I was going to go Reggie, so I'm kind of thrown. Um, uh, I'll go. I'll go Tony. Do you? Oh, nice. Any any reasons or just yeah I'm I I was happy with uh, her kind of like stopping and realizing uh, you know and kind of being like hey uh, you know I think I made a mistake here let's uh, let's revisit this so super happy about that I think both of you guys are right with those I will though throw out she might not be the MVP of her love life but definitely one of my MVPs of the episode was Veronica I just thought the way that she kept pivoting through every single storyline was so good she's Camilla Mendez is killing it with the performance. She was hilarious in that Reggie scene where she was mm-hmm. trying to not seduce him, but really try to charm him in the schoolroom. All the stuff with Kevin and Clay was really funny, even fun as well. The Jughead thing. Great stuff. I think it's giving us this very different Veronica, the arch. I keep using that word, but the very Archie. heightened mm. sense and specific Hollywood way she's speaking is very fun as well. I'm just really enjoying it. If you would like to support this podcast and all the podcasts, we do at patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark. Oh, sorry, my mouth's full. I'm eating uh, senior mints no, hot, no, no, no. Really, a really greasy hot dog. That's really oh, that's my yum, favorite. Yum. Did I mention that before? Yeah, I, I'm using your recipe. Oh. Just dip one into the <laughs> Just dip a hot dog in a box of junior. Oh, Pete's gone. Super sexual duck. Ah! <laughs> <laughs>